0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Good afternoon to you. Just past 12 p.m. here in Sydney. This is The Call. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you for the next hour as we detail 10 stocks all picked by you. I've got two great expert guests standing by, of course, virtually all over the course of the hour. And uh, 23rd of September, I'm Nadine Blaney. Well, let's not leave you hanging. Let's introduce our guests. We have Robert Cortlett, He's joining us from Macro Capital. And we have Luke Winchester from Meriwether Capital. Good afternoon to you both. Luke, I'll start with you. How are you? Looking at the small cap complex in light of some of the volatility and, I mean, the really good market gains that we've seen, particularly yesterday and today.
0: Yeah, hi Nadine. Um, look, I think the market—I don't want to say it was looking for an excuse to sell off, but it felt a little bit like that to me. Um, you know, whether whether Evergrande turns into something more than that, I'm not sure. And a lot has been written about it over the, you know, the past few days um, and, and, and trying to absorb that all is very interesting. There's there's lots of different yeah. takes on it and, and, and information that you can sort of uh, go and seek out, um, you know, where I play in small caps, it, it, it's so much micro focus. Now, you do get swept up in, in broader selling, particularly on on days like you saw um, at, the, at the back end of last week and, and Monday in particular. Um, and look, you know, I view that as an opportunity right now. Like I said, we focus on the micro. So if the if the fundamental businesses are performing well and you get one of those days where some of your small caps may be off, you know, five, six, seven percent can easily happen on a for an illiquid name on a, on a red day. Um, you know, if the business is still going well, that, that's usually days I'm looking to step in. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what frightens me more is if um, you have a business that, that may not be performing very well fundamentally. Um, and you're hoping for a bit of a turnaround or something like that, they're the ones that become a little bit dangerous in these sorts of environments because the market won't hesitate to sell them off. But no, by and large, look, I'm not too concerned with everything that's going on. In small caps in particular, I just keep focusing on the businesses themselves.
1: Yeah. And what does the big picture look like to you, Robert, as we move toward the end of this month, September, normally a volatile month. So how are you looking at things toward the end of the calendar year?
2: Yeah, look, uh, I think uh, we're probably looking for the market to come back and grind higher. Uh, There might be one more leg down. Uh, We are looking to potentially see the market come down and break maybe 7,000, get down to 6,900. If that happened, we think it'd shake out a lot of the retail investors and would cause us to pretty much go all in for, uh, for portfolios. Um, can I just say that the volatility we've had recently with the small caps, it's actually wasn't really that um, uh, much of a surprise. There's some really good data uh, that shows um, market volatility in the small cap space uh, around the triple witching, which we saw in America on Friday last week. Uh, it's the expiry of the, uh, the the stocks, the indexes and the futures options. And historically, the Monday after that witching uh on the september witching uh we see a i think the cumulative return was minus minus 15 percent over the previous 27 years so uh it, it wasn't unexpected at all and we actually use it as a pretty good opportunity i think to um get in there and buy the market and, and we, we got long uh, around about the 71.90 7200 level uh so we're playing a bit of a bounce but it's it's not a full allocation for us. Uh, we are still cautious. We think that maybe this one more leg down to shake out, all, all the the soft weak retail money. Uh, but after that, just um, you know, a nice slow grind higher. Um, you know, short sharp movements are um, you know kind of very often seen in a bull market and we still think we are in that bull market so uh, positive longer term maybe in the, in the very near term maybe one more leg down but uh, yeah we're, we're positive with the market.
1: All right well that is the scene setter then for everything that is to come. Now this company we've got a stock of the day hardly micro hardly small $8.52 billion market capitalization but it is in the news today and these guys have done their homework. Washington H. soul Pattinson's paying out its biggest dividend in almost two decades after the investment giant's full-year net profit jumped by over 90%. CEO Todd Barlow telling Ausbiz this morning that uh, the result was driven by the unique opportunity of course that the company offers investors.
0: Well, I think that's one of the advantages that our uh, company brings to the market. We're a unique proposition on the ASX in that uh, many of uh, retail investors can't get exposure to those underlying thematics or, or underlying asset classes, and we provide it all. And you know, we're very lucky that we've got a very flexible mandate that enables us to invest across the spectrum. And we can uh, just concentrate on those areas where we see superior risk-adjusted returns. And some of those things that you mentioned, like private equity and direct credit, are, are very interesting to us right now.
1: That final dividend, 36 cents, fully franked, uh, strong performances from Brickworks, New Hope and Round Oak Minerals. Gentlemen, let's start there, shall we? Do you like, Robert, we'll start with you, Washington H. Soul Pats for that very reason, the diversification, or would you be rather investing in those individual companies and narratives yourself?
2: Look, well, I think Sol Patterson have deserved to, uh, you know, earn investors trust and say, look, you know, rather than trying to step in and, and do it myself, let's put faith in a company that, um, you know, every dividend they've paid out over the last 20 years has, has increased on the one before. So that's an incredible track record. I think they may be, if not the only one, one of only a handful of companies who have managed to do that. Um, you know, investing in, um, you know, Equity, um, you know, particularly pre-listed stocks, and uh, that's where a lot of their exposure is coming from at the moment. It's really typically a hit and miss um, kind of investment strategy. So for these guys to consistently. Um, make the right call means that they're definitely doing uh, huge amounts of due diligence and, and they're really dialed in on, on what's happening. So uh, look, we, we really like the company, but right now, just given the, the valuations, we'd probably just keep it as, as a whole. We probably wouldn't be putting too much new money into this particular company. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with their exposure into the coal sector. Um, you know, we have our concerns about coal being a long-term viable, long-term viable uh, option um, for for the current uses that it's, it's um, seen in so um, the coal option itself is probably only a short to medium-term play in our mind therefore uh, we can't kind of get too excited at the moment we sold Pattinson but look if it had some price weakness got down to the 200-day moving average around the the $32 level then yeah sure we would probably step in and buy it but for now it's just a hold
1: Yeah, because it is not $32, it is closer to uh, $37.50 today after rising 5% and I'll timestamp this being noon, uh, Thursday here in Sydney. So uh, is is there value, I mean, would you be paying up for this, Luke?
0: Um, Probably not, Nadine. I actually agree with Rob's comments. I think it's a hold. Um, You know, if I put myself in the shoes of, of a Washington H Sol Patterson investor, I'm someone who's looking for, for, you know, what was basically outlined before a nice diversified uh, investment, great operating history, a dedication to, to returning income to investors. And as Rob pointed out, um, you know, the, the company's quick to point out, well, they've increased their dividend every year over the last 20, obviously, since the dot com. Um, look, the reason why I would have it as a hold, it's, it's definitely overvalued. Um, you, you went on the top there, 8.5 billion market cap, the, the, the value of their underlying investments only about 5.8. So you've got a big premium to that net asset value Um, and and deservedly so. The business generally trades at a premium just given the quality of the management and the moves they've made over many, many years. The reason why I would hold and not pay a premium today though is the upcoming merger with Milton Corp. Um, That was announced recently. So um, you, you know to put it bluntly I don't think Milton deserves to trade on that premium so you've got big dilution coming into this stock 118 million new shares um, so they will come on at, at that current net asset value premium and, and I just don't think that the, the portfolio of milton assets deserves that it's all ASX top 20 listed stocks you know those sorts of portfolios and assets generally trade around asset value sometimes at a discount um, so I think that's a, an issue in, in that short to medium term is that that big dilution from Milton but it's it, at, at, a, at a broader level I suppose. I actually like that merger. I think it um, does diversify their assets a bit, um, gets uh, really expensive shareholder base and their assets under management. So, uh, like it longer term, but but short term, I'll probably hold it given the entire investor who would own this business. Uh, definitely couldn't step in and buy the premium though.
1: Got it. Thank you. That is the stock of the day. Washington H. Soul Pat's a firm hold no further from both of my expert guests today so let's do it shall we get ready we'll get to the questions that have been posed by our viewers we really appreciate everybody emailing in as well and you can do that the call at osbiz.com.au first up for john Renescore resources he says that he'd like the expert's opinion because of a few positive announcements small cap fairly thinly traded but for now the price seems to be tracking sideways Why is that? Well, first of all, I'll start with you, Robert, because if you don't like coal, I'm wondering if you like, well, what Renskazor Resources is promising. It's got all the buzzwords in there. Graphite, green energy, ethically sourced. I think they've hit them all. ESG is in there as well. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think there's actually an ESG fund that might be uh, one of their top 20 shareholders as well. So, yeah, look, they're definitely, as you said, saying all the buzzwords. And uh, we've been a a long-time, you know, advocate of uh, getting investments that are exposed to electric vehicles. Um, You know, we've been... Uh, I think we'll lead broker on a, on a lithium play uh, Pan-Asian metals that we still continue to, to like this day. Um, but for this particular company, one of the, the downside risks that they're facing is, um, you know, what are the uh, what's the electric vehicle batteries going to look like? What are the, the batteries in general that these lithium uh, ion batteries Um in case I need to educate anyone out there, uh, at the moment the lithium-ion batteries, um, you know, there's a flow of uh, lithium ions from the cathode to the anode. Uh, the more lithium ions that the anode can hold, uh, the longer the discharge period will be, or the longer the battery life will be. Uh, at the moment, um, you know, the the or the the graph graphite that uh, they're using, I think there's like one uh, atom holds like uh, so four atoms to to one lithium ion. Whereas there's a lot of work going into the science of changing that anode to maybe a a silicone anode. Uh, There's currently can hold six uh, lithium ions to one silicon um, atom there. So um, I think if you look up, I think Science Daily, they they do a wonderful job of reporting uh, scientific progress in that uh, battery space. Uh, and I think it was like February, March this year, they talked about um, the advent of a new uh, honeycomb structure of the uh, silicone that actually takes in the lithium ion and doesn't allow the, the massive expansion that you normally get when lithium attaches to the anode. So that advancement is going to allow uh, electric vehicles and phones and, and laptops to have significantly greater um battery life. Unfortunately, what it means for this company is um, their, their primary product, that their, the touting isn't actually going to potentially be used, or at least not to the same degree in this space that we really, really like. So um, that's the, the long term risk that we think this company faces. The shorter term risk is that in order to build their, their mine and their um, anode battery operations, they're going to need to raise some capital. Uh, We forecast about $213 million, which will be $114 million for the mine and another $90 million for the um, battery operations. Uh, Currently, they've only got about $17 million cash on hand. Uh, So that's gonna mean they're gonna have to do some kind of uh, a raising. So if it's debt, obviously it increases their rent obligations or interest obligations, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And otherwise it's gonna have to be capital. If they raise, um, capital uh, through equity, sorry, then it's going to be a 50% dilution to their um, shareholding. So whilst the share price in the short term is pretty good and it's a, obviously an uptrend, we'd actually take this opportunity to light it ahead of what we see as a capital raising event and then the potential long term risk that maybe um, graphite uh, isn't used uh, in the electric vehicle batteries as yeah. much as what people are thinking.
1: Okay, so is that a sell?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to sell it. Uh, if you're really um, uh, wanting to take on the risk, you could just lighten it, but mm-hmm. uh, I'd be happy to either lighten lightener or sell.
1: Got it. Thank you. Luke, do you know Rensicor Resources and would you be investing in it? Do you know why its share price has been just trending sideways?
0: Um, I don't, Nadine, and I'm glad Rob's on this call because John, um, you know, asked for expert's opinion, and, and I certainly okay. can't provide that. Look, I, I had a look yesterday. Um, you, know, you know, Rob, completely correct, and, and outlined the the major um, issue that I saw, and that's the the injection of capital they'll require. Um, it's not too bad, considering that you can use a bit of debt there. So, of course, some dilution, but um, it's it's not totally excessive. Um, they've got a few off-takes signed. The latest one looks really promising um, with a Korean company with um, uh, potential to take up equity as well. So that, that could be the injection they require. Uh, my main takeaway is that it, it's just stuck in that um, really tough position for a miner between uh, you're drilling uh, and exploring versus trying to get into production. And it takes, mm-hmm. you know, two, three, sometimes longer years. Um, and, and, and like I said, you're in between that Uh, blue sky potential where no one knows what's in the ground yet it could be anything the market's excited who knows you know versus we're producing we're bringing cash in the door we can now be valued like a traditional business um and anything of handful anything of a handful of things could go wrong so i I probably agree with rob i I would probably um sell the stock if if i had it or if if i did believe that long-term thesis i would probably reduce just to just to wait and see how that equity debt structure sort of settles itself out on the way to to the production
1: Thank you guys, John. I hope that helped. Uh, Rent.com.au is the next on the list for Will. RNT is the ticker code and we got a bit of detail from Will as well, which I like. He says, I've been holding this at over 50% from the hype when Slattery, Bevan Slattery, invested. I like the story of the stock, but it's starting to test his patience and it's keeping him from putting capital to better use. And that's always... Part of the equation as well, when you're thinking about your portfolio as a whole. So he's saying, I'm worried, though, if I sold now, it would start to turn up. Could it possibly be a reopening play as lockdowns end, renting restrictions relax, or perhaps a takeover target, as mentioned in its recent presentation? Luke, I'll start with you because, yeah, this did get a lot of hype when we saw Slattery invest in the company. But, you know, what would you advise now? Buy, hold or sell? Hope springs eternal, Luke?
0: Yeah, look, you know, my uh, my advice to Will is just to, to go back and look at your, your initial investment thesis. Unfortunately, if that thesis probably hinged on Bevan Slattery. You know, what do you do now? I, I don't know. But um, go back and sort of think, well, what were my expectations for the business back then and, and what's happened? Um, I I probably agree with those two points that it could be a reopening sort of theme because uh, you probably have had less movement of people, um, you know, changing rental properties and shifting around, which is where they got these guys benefit. Um, And and one of the things I did think of looking at the company a bit closer yesterday is it probably is prime for a bit of Um, M&A. So let's just sort of explained for for people, you know, viewing. Um, These guys run a property portal, very similar to an REA or a domain, but just focused on rentals. So there's no, um, you know, purchasing properties, it's just rentals. Uh, but exact same setup put in a, a suburb or whatever your, your keyword searches and it comes up with a bunch of rentals in that area. And so like one of the, the main things I thought of looking at this business is well, what problem does it really solve because of course you can do that on REA and domain and I just went and looked up Newcastle you know where I am and there were 32 properties on rent versus 45 on REA and 42 on domain. And so I thought sort of think well, what's the what's the value proposition if I'm a renter why would I go to rent instead of a, an REA or domain? And I think that's a question as an investor you need to ask yourself um I, I couldn't come up with a great answer but, but maybe other people can um, that core business is profitable which is nice uh, but but um the, the cash flow from that business and, and even even more that they're, they're still a cash burning business is going towards trying to build out rent pay um, which is a, a payment solution for, for renters to use. And it looks like a bit of a financial wellness app where people are able to to steadily contribute money into this um, savings account and then gets deducted out of that monthly as rent comes out. You can line up the payments to pay cycles and things like that. It sounds interesting, but again, I sort of ask myself, what what real problem is it solving? And, and look, um, you know, uh, my wife and I, we're, we're renters here. Um, it's you're set up on a direct debit. You know maybe people out there, if it is very much paycheck to paycheck, something like this can can provide an assistance. But I just don't know if the addressable market is 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 really massive for this business the way management are sort of touting it up. So those couple of things I, I sort of looked at it and, and what Will's thoughts were. He he's probably got sounds like he's got one foot out the door and he's just you know waiting for, for something to happen. If that's the case, Will, I think you do probably cut it and move on. That you know, I would I would have a sell on this stock. Um, I just struggle to see that real value proposition to say, like, what problem is this business really solving at Mm -hmm. the end
1: of the day? Got it. Robert, what do you think?
2: Yeah, look, I would say if uh, if Luke's assessment of uh, Will's position being one foot out the door is correct, uh, I'd be telling Will to take the second foot and uh, put that out the door as well. <laughs> uh, it, it's a sell uh, for us. But there's a few problems that we have with the business. At its very core, it's a list business. So, um, you know, you need to get a lot of money and marketing kind of spent to attract people to your website, to get Um, You know, the product, advertise, and get people viewing. You know, as as Luke just said, um, you know, the number of properties that he found on the search was only 30 compared to 45 at other places. So that is a a problem they've got. Um, Look, they're putting out some good numbers. They said the the revenue was up uh, 31% on the last quarter uh, at 810,000. Now that sounds good uh, in theory, but you know, you're investing in a tech business. You know, tech businesses, you want to get more bang for your buck than 31% growth year on year. You don't want to get that kind of numbers on a, on a quarter on quarter type of thing. Um, the other problem that we've got here is that um, 40, look, 40% of their money does come from revenue at the moment. So and that was up 28%. But again, it was a year on year figure, not a Um, you know, quarter on quarter number. Uh, One of the the big problems we're seeing is that they've come out and stated this goal of having 200,000 users on their rent pay uh, app. Uh, And and obviously there are some distinct advantages for the landlords and for the real estate agents to have their users on that app. But there's actually no benefit that we could see from a financial standpoint for users. Um, You know, if you're a a renter and you're using this rent pay app, uh, you pay a, a monthly fee, a membership fee, um, you know, and yet, you know, it's currently regulated that um, you know real estate agents and uh, landlords are not permitted to provide a payment process and force renters to have a payment process that incurs a fee for them. So, how do you convince people to go and use this app uh, that will actually increase their costs of rent effectively because of the whole um, you know membership and the, and the service fee? Um, you know, they they outlined their goal of having 200,000 users. Well, we're two months in and they've only got 700 users. You know, that's not what you want to see. You know, it's the common way of of kind of getting the value of your company up these days to say, look, let's put revenues to one side. Let's just get users through the front door. Let's kind of grow a large base. You know, um, Facebook did that the best. They got got 100 million users. And then they said, okay, now we're going to monetize it. Um, So I'm not really excited about the fact their revenue has gone up, I want to see users and I don't see that coming through. Uh, And look, just in case people are not quite clear as to the importance of, um, you know, these list businesses and getting followers, um, think of Facebook versus Myspace. When was the last time someone jumped onto MySpace and posted something? Yeah. That was the leading leading player. It's a list business. Facebook came in, better marketing, better advertising. Everyone made the move across and no one uses MySpace. I think the same thing is, is a huge downside risk mm-hmm. for, uh, for the moment, So we would tell Will to, look, take that second step, get out the door, sell it, uh, wait for the takeover announcement or wait for the stock to get discounted another, you know, 50, 60 percent from where it is back to where it was before uh, Bevan came in and made his two point seven five million dollar injection. You know, it was only a four point three cent uh, company back then. Yeah. Is it not now it can drop another 50 percent and go back to where it was. Like what has changed yeah. since he's put the money? In? You know, we would call this a, a classic hype stock. Uh, when that money came into it. So our general advice to Will, look, move out completely, find something else and hopefully uh, get a better return.
1: Well, thanks guys for being so clear because we don't often get two cells uh, on the program. So that is what you've been told, Will. Keep in mind, Will, this is not financial advice. It's not suited to your own particular circumstances. It's information only. You've got to take what you hear today, do your own research or get advice if you need it. And that's my my caveat for the entire program, but onwards and upwards, baby bunting is the next on the list for Sean. Look, broker note from City, just yesterday, in fact, uh, saw the share price get a bit of an uptick. It says that it's got a buy rating and a $5.98 target back on some of the share price weakness that we've seen since the result came out. So this is again going to valuation. Uh, I'm going to start with you Luke uh, what do you think of baby bunting I think a lot of us have spent some time in the bricks and mortar but of course they've been shut down uh, for quite some time
0: yeah nadine we've got a uh, one and a half and a three-year-old so <laughs> yeah. familiar with, with baby bunting uh look the, the results were strong fy 21 it, it was clean too unlike a lot of retailers no no job keeper and um as best as i could tell no real uh rent reductions or anything like that either so um you know 15 percent revenue growth 11 percent same store sales but a, a big jump in the online which you saw with a lot of retailers as a lot of uh you know omni channel sort of pivoted that way um you know the metrics they call out around their brands were strong with um, sort of brand recognition, NPS things like that. Um, a, a lot of things to like. the the store rollout story is still strong. 60 stores looking to get to 100, so you're still in the the real sort of meat of that story. You know you really want to be in a store rollout with a retailer. Um, and and the the um, metrics they provide around their mature stores is also um, very good as well. So you know you're rolling out stores, you're rolling out some 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 new stores which um, uh, you're still ramping up, aren't as profitable. So it's good to give metrics about. Well, what's the what's the mature stores look like so you know as investors we can sort of look a few years into the future and say well what will the sort of margins of this business look like at scale and the the mature business is doing about 19% EBITDA margins compared to a 10% group average so it shows you know a a real path for the margins to really increase look I I did pull out a few negatives one was I I wasn't a big fan of of, um, management's calculation of underlying profit they provided in their presentations they excluded um, some equity stuff, which, to be honest, a lot of businesses do. So, you know, even if we give them a little bit of a pass mark there, but um, they also excluded some costs around some, um, uh, you know, IT transformation projects, warehousing um, projects they're doing. Like, and, and I just view that as general cost of business. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, they may be one off. I, I understand that. But but nonetheless, you know, in another five or 10 years time, you'll probably have to do another IT refresh or, or you know, expand into a new warehousing facility. So I, I just wasn't a fan when I saw that. Um, and so when I first looked at the business, i thought the valuation doesn't look too bad you know i sort of calculated somewhere around 25 times earnings sort of coming back and doing my own calculations of what i think sort of accurate profits were i come to about 44 and i really struggled to pay that for baby bunting and, and one of the main reasons why i jotted this down amazon's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Um, you know, uh, anyone just has to go and Google Amazon versus diapers.com over in the US to see how strongly Amazon emphasises the capture of new parents towards growing their ecosystem. They know how valuable a new parent customer is. So Amazon will work, you know, incredibly hard to win those customers. And 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 we are Nadine. So, so, so my wife and I, we have a, a, an Amazon subscription set up for, for wipes and and nappies. Um, and some other stuff as well Mm -hmm. we're in that ecosystem we don't go anywhere else for amazon and i just think that 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 um, python squeeze will continue not just for baby bunting but for a lot of retailers in Australia um, I think when they launched a couple of years ago people thought it would be the you know the, to continue the snake analogy the viper attack of Amazon that's not how they operate they, they slowly squeeze their competitors over time and I think that's what you'll see so I'm actually going to be negative again and come with three straight cells I, I, I have to disagree with Citi I struggle to own baby bunting at that sort of valuation with the competitive threats they face
1: the python which is Amazon <laughs> What do you think, Robert? Because I've also heard baby bunting called a category killer.
2: Right. Yeah, look, uh, I think long term, uh, you know, you you can't deny what they've done. They are a good quality business. Uh, Look, just add a few things to what Luke was saying. You know, the online sales represent about 19 percent of their earnings at the moment. But what's really good about that is it only only accounts for 1.5 percent. Of their marketing costs, and that's because of this word of mouth. You know, mums and mums and dads go into the store, they see it, they buy something, and then they go talking all their, you know, young family groups, and then other people go there and buy that same product. So that's really good to show that kind of uh, revenue from online without having the associated costs that you'd normally expect. They've also got some uh, private label products, and we've seen. Um, a good 31% increase in growth in that, which accounts for 41% of their revenue as well. So again, they're trying to protect themselves the same way, you know, Coles and Woolworths have their own name brands, but uh, Baby Bunting are trying to do the same thing. Um, you know, they're obviously, you know, Amazon is is the big story here, you know, how can Amazon or how can they protect themselves from Amazon coming in? Well, one of the things we're seeing is that 85% of the top 250 uh, products out there in that baby space are actually not available on Amazon. So uh, whilst they're able to ring fence those top selling products and make them their own and exclusive to them, they'll continue to fend off Amazon, they'll continue to do quite well. But if that wall kind of gets broken down by Amazon somehow, then um, yeah, th- this company could hit the skids. You know, it-, it is stretched valuation. As Luke said, it's more than 40 times price earnings multiple. Um, so we wouldn't recommend that anyone go out there and buy it at the moment. At best, if, you- if you're a believer in baby bunting, you could have it as a hold, but we'd probably be giving that general advice to uh, investors to say, look, probably lighten here. The risks are a little bit too high at the moment. Um, you know, there the has got that expansionary um, side of things too that the the pro-baby bunters will, will uh, try and, and argue the point. Uh, at the moment, they're purely domestic play. They've got 60 stores. They were looking to expand. Uh, they're looking to get into New Zealand. That expansionary plan was put on hold during COVID. Obviously, it's very difficult over in New Zealand, of all places, to get outdoors and start visiting physical footprint locations. Um, when COVID, um, you know, when, when the reopening play happens, this will be a benefit for them. Um, but they're not looking to go global. They're just looking to, to cross the ditch. They're not looking to cross the pond yet. And, um, you know, that's because of the way in which they've structured their business. It is so much of a an old school word of mouth kind of business, uh, which then gets people to jump online. Uh, but by and large, you know, first um, young, young families, first time mums and dads, they don't just want to buy a product because they've seen a four or five star review online they do actually want to go into the store Mm -hmm. touch it feel it you know look at it make sure it's safe for their their child and then they make the purchase then you get the word of mouth then you get people jumping online so there are some definite um long-term benefits to the company if you believe they can hold off amazon but right now with the stretch valuation uh, it's just too risky for us to add it to a portfolio. You're either going to hold it if you believe in them or you're going to start lightening it if you want to take the risk off the table.
1: There you go, Sean. There's some uh, good insight into baby bunting for you. Number four on the list is Wise Way for Claude WWG. He's saying it specializes in air freight, nice rebound in revenues and results in the first half. Um, specialized in freight to China. Look, I had to look it up and do a bit of digging myself. So air and shipping, road and warehousing, only listed since 2018. $1.8 million in profit reported, and that was the made in profit. But seeing revenues really rising from the perishables division, so fresh produce, seafood, dairy products, sea freight as well, perishable goods. It's building a US presence, so diversifying away from China. Luke, do you know the company? Do you like the company?
0: Um, I hadn't heard of it either, uh, Nadine. Um, looking at it, I, I found it interesting. You know, 50 mil market cap and, um, you know, strong uh, maiden profitability. Um, you know, good good cash flow as well. I sort of calculated about 3.5 mil free cash flow, which on that market cap, it looks looks pretty interesting. Um, the, the only thing I'll, I'll sort of comment on and claude picked this up was a very big seasonality between first half and second half to the point where first half um you know more than all of the profits came in the first half and actually had a small loss in the second half so uh, i you know with only 24 hours uh, notice looking at this business hadn't looked at it before um i, I did go back and look at fy 19 fy 20 i couldn't see the seasonality as big as, as that so management called out chinese new year and you know some seasonality around perishables um if that's true then then you know i, I think it looks really interesting here i'd probably just hold it i'd really like to see um, that you know you weren't seeing a slowdown in that second half um you know compared to a, to a very strong first half result but if it is just a genuine seasonality and, and and you know this business is turning the corner with a main profitability it looks really interesting at, at these prices um, but i just don't know enough to, to say buy so i would say hold to claude um just until you get a bit more around that seasonality
1: yeah seasonality what did what did you make of it um roger if if you knew it or or doing a bit of digging because there is a lot of focus on supply chains right now logistics you know for for very obvious reasons
2: Yeah, look, technically it looks good, but fundamentally we've got our concerns. We'd put it as a hold as well. 87% of their revenue does come from that air freight business. Uh, 71% is general. 16% is perishable, as you said. Uh, But therein actually lies the risk. You know, the the Chinese government have actually... um, So so 62 I should say, 62% of their freight... uh, on air freight actually goes into China, and 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 the risk is that uh, China are actually looking to uh, have some regulatory changes to their uh, changing customs and quarantine issues due to COVID, and they've also already uh, earmarked that they're going to have a uh, change their target from 47% to 60% of self-sustaining. Um, um, you know products so uh, increasing their food self-sufficiency which is really going to hurt uh, the life of this business if, if that kind of problem persists so um, look, the the revenue is good the EBITDA is good uh, on, on the average of the last five years we're seeing some good growth numbers but it's in a perfect position right now to take advantage of um, you know this global supply chain issue that we've got however once that comes to an end if you then couple that with uh, China's, um, you know, attempts to become more self-sufficient, I think this company could actually really struggle. So for us, it's at best it's a hold at the moment.
1: Got it. Thank you. So that was for you, Claude WWG. Now, Jeff is uh, the next gentleman who we will be uh, answering his question. Uh, And this is about US Masters Residential Property Fund Unit, URF. So it's a listed fund it's been restructuring for the last two years, years, sold off a large portion of its portfolio and all expensive convertible loans, says it will move back into profitability this year. So this goes back to uh, uh, its association with Evans Dixon. There were some problems. ASIC brought court proceedings against Dixon for advising clients to invest in the product. So very troubled and checkered history. But it is exposed to the U.S. residential property market. It's, in fact, the largest listed property trust for investing in U.S. property, particularly in New York. Robert, is it just too hard basket because of all the issues that have come before, or how do you look at it?
2: No, look, I'm finally going to uh, give this one the thumbs up and say we're happy to, to be a buyer and accumulator of this particular stock. Um, look, 51% of its revenue does come from the New York market, 23% uh, from the New Jersey market. So it is very concentrated there. Um, you know, for domestically, we've always said if you're in the REIT space, you want to be exposed to the industrial play. We haven't liked the residential play. So this is a really good um, opportunity for people who want to have the residential exposure in their portfolio. We also really like being exposed to the US dollars at the moment. So you get that added benefit of having their assets held in US dollar terms. So when they repatriate those funds, we should see some uh, margin expansion. Um, you know, the, the Aussie dollar is, is typically called a commodity currency. We feel as though we're towards the top end of that commodity cycle. Therefore, on a relative basis, we don't see the Aussie dollar strengthening uh, too much against the US dollar. So there should be some very positive um, you know, uh, earnings coming from them. What we will say is that, um, you know, what what the reason we're getting invested now is you're looking for the recovery in the rental prices from the pre-COVID market to the current market environment. However, beyond that, it's actually not that exciting. There's a Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act uh, that was uh, written back in 2019 in the US that said that rental prices can't go up more than 7.5% over any two year period. So once you've got the recovery in rental prices in the US, the future growth is actually quite limited. So we would be on on this for the uh, medium term, once we've had the recovery in rental prices over in New York. Uh, we'd then only be holding the name if we felt that the US dollar was going to considerably strengthen from wherever, wherever it is at that point in time. Outside of that, it would then become get it out, take your profits and look at something else.
1: Luke, how about you? Yeah, look,
0: um, obviously, I was aware of the, the chequered history of the business, but hadn't actually looked closely at it until it popped up on the list. Um, you know, it's, it's not your traditional reit in the sense of you're not getting income from this right now. Um, as uh, Jeff alluded to, they are looking to swing to sort of positive funds from operations, which they may start paying a divi, but I actually suspect they'll continue just to pay down debt. Um, you know, you're purely getting that that residential exposure the main thing I looked at was you know they call that a 61 cent NTA versus a 35 cent share price so you're getting a very big discount to your NTA the only other REIT that comes anywhere near that discount is Unibail, Radamco, Westfield the rest is sort of maybe 10 to 20 percent discounts and, and a few of the good ones trade at par or, or, or you know the uh, fund manager style REITs trade at, at, at premiums um, but, but the key to that discount is they're actually managing to divest some of their assets at book value now mm-hmm. The question you ask is are they divesting their best assets at book value or are they divesting their worst assets at book value it's hard to get a read on that and so look i I would have it as a hold i i I can't step in and buy it but if you could answer that question um which it's hard for me to do on a day's research if you can answer that question of which assets are they divesting their best or their worst um there there is something there just given that large discount um, but you're probably trading just that discount closing. As, as Rob said, I struggle to see strong growth then emerging from this business out into the future. But definitely that discount can close very quickly if this business can show that, you know, um, our assets at book value are, are fair market prices. And, and we're getting um, we're getting the fair market prices for those assets and able to pay down debt, reinvest, whatever they would look to do. So try and answer that question, Jeff. If you can, then there may be something there, but i would probably hold just to see how that that asset divestment um, process continues to go.
1: Got it, thank you. Okay, let me do a very quick sum up guys. We're uh, running a bit behind, but that's okay. We'll catch up. The stock of the day was a hold from both of my guests, overvalued in Luke's words. Rent Resources is a sell or a reduce from both of the guys. And if you go to rent.com.au, again, two sells. Just look, uh, you know, wait and see what happens and possible of M&A, but you don't need to be in it now. Hold for baby bunting from Robert, it's a sell from Luke and Wise Way. It is uh, interesting, but it's a hold from both of my guests. A buy for U.S. Masters Residential Property Fund unit from the guys at Macro, but a hold from Merriweather. Okay, let's get a little bit of an update on our portfolio and where we sit from here. Thanks to our partners at Nabtrade, and over the week, down by 1%. One month, up by 1.5%, full year to date, up by 3.3%. But since its inception, up by close to 40%. Some of the companies we've added Core Lithium, Zoom to You, that was yesterday. Drone Shield, we were on such a roll, and AA Co. was yesterday. Pacific Smiles as well. Some of the companies taken out New Hope, Rio Tinto, and Raise. You can check out that portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio let's crack on with it shall we right crowd rcw for philip so robert workplace safety security and compliance digital contract tracing you would think COVID is a sweet spot for this company it's looking well it's had a 12 and a half million dollar placement which came hot on the heels of a four million dollar placement back in august 2020 does that color your view of the company
2: Look, uh, this would typically be uh, put out as a a COVID recovery play uh, as, um, you know, restrictions on movement ease and uh, you've got employees moving around uh, the country, then this should work out quite well for them. They've got first mover advantage in this space, which is really good. And it's obviously working out for them right now. But the risk is that there's really low barriers to entry in this space you know there's not much stopping other hr companies coming out with something relatively the same and for us you know if you start looking at the large tech companies like google uh who already have geolocation technology there's just way too much um you know risk for us to be long-term investors in this stock so as, as much as it looks compelling at the moment with the as a reopening play, uh, we, we couldn't be getting involved. We'd actually be giving the general advice to clients to say, look, maybe you should be lightning or even selling the position.
1: Yeah, and avoid if you're not in it. What do you think, Luke?
0: Yeah, look, I, I actually think this one's a buy, Nadine. Um, I, I've been negative to start the program, but I will I will give my first buy on Right Crowd. Um, I, I think you highlighted the issues with the share price with, um, you know, they raised capital and that's acted as, I think, as a bit of a ceiling on the stock. And uh, when they came out with, with guidance recently and then their reported results, they did miss their revenue guidance, uh, the reported revenue, I should say. They, they did claim that their recurring revenue came in line. Um, I, I agree with Robert. It's definitely that reopening play and, and focus, particularly on the US. Uh, they're looking to target um, those those large corporations in the US and, and the tech giants are, a, are an easy customer for them with the large campuses that they run, um, you know, users, um contact tracing for, for COVID purposes, but also just general access security and, and things like that. Um, they're looking to expand in the U.S. They've, they've expanded their sales team. They've uh, invested in some some inventory. So you know, they've scaled up and they're, they're looking to now, you know, uh, they've invested ahead of the curve they're now looking to, to reap the rewards from from that investment. Um, grew at, th- you know, mid 30 percent last year. So it's not shooting the lights out, but, but, you know, solid growth. But importantly, what I saw is that they managed to keep their costs flat now. It probably won't happen going forward they, they may you know especially as they look to it to um, grow in the us they may take on some additional costs but it, it was promising just to see that they they were able to grow mm-hmm. despite keeping costs flat you're seeing that scalability which with any tech business that's it's really what you want to see you just want to see scalability so i really like it um, 80 mil market cap it looks relatively fair value on, on a revenue basis because they are still loss making but like i said Given that revenue growth and the, possibly the ability to keep costs flat, they could swing to profitability pretty quick. Um, yeah, they've called out looking to double their revenue over the next sort of two to three years. So if they're able to do that, it quickly looks quite cheap. Um, so yeah, that's one I, I think okay. um, I, w- I would put a buy on today.
1: We've got disagreement, and that always makes the market, doesn't it? Let's get on to the next one at Tomos for Harriet. AMS is the ticker code, so not to be confused with the Tomo Diagnostics. This is the video hardware and software maker Luke to you first please.
0: Yeah, look, these guys probably had one of the best FY21 results I saw in the reporting season. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, take everything I just said about right Crowd and apply it to Atomos. They did the exact same thing. They grew revenue extremely strongly, but saw real scalability over their cost base, swung from a 7 mil EBITDA loss to an 8 mil EBITDA profit in, in one year is a fantastic result. Now, um, you know, like right Crowd, um, they've sort of called out that they'll probably, after a year of consolidating those costs, they'll, they'll reinvest. But I expect revenue to go with it. Um, they have largely been at that sort of prosumer level of, of you know, semi-professional uh, video use for, for, you know, social media people and. Um you know, mm-hmm. corporate use things like that, but looking to get a foothold in, in you know what they label entertainment, which is you know proper professional video use. And um, they've they've called out some some pretty promising um, sort of traction in that space already. They've got uh, I think three thousand odd customers on on that platform, uh, ProRes RAW, they call it. Uh, it. It all looks it all looks very interesting to me, to Dean. So. It's not cheap on a, on a traditional basis, 330 mil, 8 mil EBITDA, that looks expensive, um, but it's the growth you're getting behind it. You know, they did sort of 80% revenue growth. I, they probably won't uh, cycle that sort of growth again this year just because of the the, um, the the base that they will be cycling. But I expect it to remain strong. And, I you know, they've already shown that they have the ability to really scale over those costs. So, again, like I said, I, I, I've... You know, come come out of the break, and, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm feeling quite positive. So I'll well, put another buy on on Atomo's. Uh, no formal FY22 guidance, but like I said, management's commentary is that uh, sales momentum is continuing. So yeah. you know, for me, it's 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 a really interesting one, and I think I actually uh, did a bit of research into the product themselves, and. Um, what I will call out is I saw the founder, Jeremy Young, talking about the products. Um, you can, like, the, the passion he has for the, yeah. the products just oozes out of him when he talks about it. it whenever you see that, it's, it's always something that you stop and, and really have a look at the stock when you see something like that.
1: Yeah, well, we can, um, you can go to our website. We've got a couple of interviews with the CEO up there. Um, Robert, do you think that we're in a global video boom and that's enough reason to buy a Tomas, so a buy, hold or sell?
2: Oh, look, absolutely, this is a buy. Um, look, I, I could I could go on for the rest of the time we've gotten even beyond that. Hey, okay, well,
1: about let's
2: it. not do that. <laughs> De- definitely won't. Look, look, again, not only can you use this, go to your website and see the CEO talking. I think I've covered it for about 15 minutes in several other um, uh, the call episodes. I think we first spoke about it back in May. It was about 93 cents. We said it was a buy. Uh, two months ago, I was on the show and actually mentioned it as our life-changing stock. Um, look, we, we love everything they're doing. It's the quintessential COVID reopening play. Um, they've, they've recently uh, promoted Estelle Maggace from Chief Product Officer to CEO. Uh, she's got a, a ton of experience, previously working with uh, Walt Disney and Apple and Logitech. Um, you know, she's going to move back from Silicon Valley to be domestically, um, you know, located here, and that's a huge advantage. Um, you know, we've still got as um Luke said, you know, um the, the, the founder of uh the business, Jeremy Young, um just he's a highly passionate guy and he's still involved, he's still on the board, so you've still got his vision being kind of um you know, helping guiding mm-hmm. the company. But what he's done is reached out and got someone extraordinarily capable of of growing and taking the business to the next level. So look, um, obviously the 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 Reporting numbers came off a very low base. Uh, But even still, if you take their five year uh, average numbers, which take into account the whole decline and then the the rebound, the revenue's up 20%, the EBITDA's up 46%, NPAT's up 28% average every single year. This is a great stock. Everyone should be adding a small part of it to their portfolio, (laughs) in our opinion. So definitely add it to the um, Osby's portfolio. Let's do it.
1: It is. It is. I just checked. It was taken out in May. So it is back in as of today. Thanks, guys. 7West Media next on the list. I actually don't have uh, who this is for, but I'm going to just put it out there. Look, uh, reported it's cutting debt. It's uh, seeing a turnaround in advertising. I spoke with the CEO, James Warburton. He said, look, a lot of advertisers did not pull out in the midst of this latest lockdown. I watched The Voice for the first time. Would you be buying 7West Media, Robert? Buy, hold or sell?
2: Uh, look, our kids on short, short. Unfortunately, I wouldn't. It's a lighten for us. Uh, look, they've already had all the advantages. People have been in lockdown. They're watching TV. They've had the Olympics. You know, advertising's come and gone for that. Um, you know, in this space, if you want to be exposed to media, we look at something like Media, ticker code OML, mm-hmm. that does outdoor advertising. It's, uh, this is almost the opposite of a reopening play. You know, when, when COVID lockdown ends, People are going to want to get out there with family. They're going to want to get in the outdoors, get some sun, get some fresh air. You know, the, this, their whole business is built on viewership. And so if viewership decreases, then all of a sudden they can't charge as much for their advertising. Um, the, the, the margins will be lower. The revenue will be lower. So, you know, if you want to be in advertising, look at an outdoor advertiser like Blue Media. But for, for us, uh, we couldn't be in this space at yeah. all. We definitely have to find it.
1: Well, that's the bonus buy for today, folks. Media OML is the ticker code. Luke, how about Seven West Media? I mean, obviously, people will still need to track their portfolios. Clearly, they'll still be watching AusBiz. I mean, doesn't Seven have something going for it?
0: Yeah, and a bloke who runs their morning shows, not too bad either. Um, look, I, I'm not as negative as, as Rob. I probably can't bring myself to buy the stock. If if, if I owned it, I would I would continue to hold it. Um, it, it. it's just cheap on on any metric you want to pick, but it, it has been for a long time. Uh, but look, the turnaround's been solid. They've paid out a lot of debt. They've got that debt to EBITDA below one times, which is is really good. Um, their pivot to digital. I, I probably a couple of years ago I would have really questioned their ability to do that, but but you know, I, full marks to them. They've done a really good job, and that will now be about one third of their earnings they're calling out in F. Y22. that's that's substantial um, flag some higher costs from some content investment and, and my biggest one is, is just uh, Rob highlighted the right concerns is where we are in that in that sort of advertising cycle. And so the reason why I sort of struggled to buy this business is you're getting you're getting sort of two things I, I probably don't like to see in a business one is cyclicality around that mm-hmm. sort of business cycle advertising spend. And the other is just a long term structural disruption to the industry. And when you combine those two things, you, you're sort of as, a, as an investor, you've really got to time your investment really right because you just you got to be in between a, a you know a moving cycle and also a long term disruption. Um, credit management, I think you can probably hold it for a bit longer. I think there's a little bit more legs left in this recovery, um, and 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 maybe you do okay. Uh, but for someone who who's sort of new to the stock, I, I'd struggle to come in a bite just because of the, the the sort of dynamics of that industry and, and where we are at the minute.
1: Got it. Now we'll move on to Sunrise Energy. This is for Scott SRL is the ticker code saying ever since splitting its business shares have tended down is there a future for the company of have they sold off their best asset again it's battery minerals it's talking about building you know world's first integrated battery raw production plant in australia would you luke buy into the promise of a sunrise energy or again just a bit too specky in that space
0: yeah, not to Dean. And, and I love how, you know, if anyone finds a bit of nickel on a corner of their tenement, they're now battery, yep. battery metals play. It's in every single presentation. Um, look, Renascore Resources, we looked at right at the start. Um, you know, I sort of said back then uh, they needed about 200 mil capital to sort of uh, bring their mine into production. These guys need about... 2.3 billion. Like that's that's substantial. And so, you know, you think about who they would need to partner with to, for that capital to come into the business. It limits your potential partners to, to maybe a handful of stocks on the ASX and obviously some 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 wider uh, potential overseas. To come back to Scott's question about have they divested their best asset? This was spun out of clean tech holding so so clean tech water is mm-hmm. now the, the a standalone play with with sunrise metals uh, on its own as well I, I haven't looked at clean tech water too closely but I can't help but feel Scott sort of hit the nail on the head I, I think you're probably getting the lesser of the two businesses they've spun this sunrise metals out of it. Um, so the market can focus purely on the water play with CleanTech tech water. Um, look, it's, it's not I don't know enough to say sell it, Scott, if you own it, but I, I just saw a few things there. Like I, I'd struggle for anyone to buy it just with that, that massive, even if you're able to get 50 percent debt funding. Mm. You know, you're still talking about a billion dollar capital injection required to this business. I just don't see how it happens, to be honest.
1: And everybody's got that narrative happening right now. Okay, so that's an avoid. Yeah. Is it a buy, hold, sell or avoid for you, Sunrise Energy Metals?
2: Yeah, look, um, we're going to say it's a sell, um, you know, as, as Will mentioned, one of the uh, viewers on one of the other stocks about, I think was rent.com, oh, you know, mm-hmm. should I stay in it? Should I let it go? Um, there are better alternatives here, we feel. Now, this company is focusing on the cathode development. Uh, as Luke said, you know, they've got nickel, they're playing up nickel, there's cobalt, there's scandium. Uh, but... At the moment, they've only got $54 million cash at bank. Uh, as Luke rightly said, this this project's going to take billions of dollars to get off the ground. It's going to have to do some kind of capital raising program. Why you'd want to hold it whilst they dilute the shareholders uh, is beyond me. If you want to get in this space, I'll, I'll give the viewers, as I've said multiple times, if you want another stock in this space, please, everyone, go and have a look at Pan Asia Metals. Uh, you know, we've been in it for a long time. They've come out with some great announcements just recently. The stock's spike they've still got their joke resource announcement to come out which we think is going to happen in the next couple of months if you want exposure to uh, electric vehicle space in a small cap that can give you some nice big upside pan-asian metals for us if you're looking for something a little bit more developed then we'd probably look at pls Pilbara mills but yeah that'd be our two plays depending on whether you want a small cap or something a bit larger in that electric vehicle lithium kind of play
1: PAM is Pan Asia Metals ticker code. I know I'll get some people writing in about that one, and we do appreciate all of the commentary that we have coming in. We have time for one more, which is A2 Milk. This is for Yas. I hope you're watching, Yes. Robert, uh, look, lots of talk that it's a potential takeover target. Nestle's name has actually been bandied around. Lots of problems with China, as we know. Would you be buying, holding, or selling A2 Milk now?
2: We're almost out of time, Nadine. So it's a sell. It's a sell. Uh, you,
1: you didn't-
2: you don't want to be a holder of a company that's being talked about as a takeover play because it means you've probably held it all the way down Nestle did come out and say they are interested to look at it but they wanted to see the results first the results have being published they haven't come out and said anything um, you know the, the market share that this company now has over in China is really small I think it's like 2.3% um, you know China's really refocusing on their own internal suppliers so look we, we couldn't be involved in A2 Milk we've said for a long time you know get out of it move out of it uh, and if you have done you've saved yourself a lot of money it's not worth the risk hoping that there's a takeover play because if a takeover play doesn't happen this company could actually hit the wall so for us it's a definite avoid sell it move on find something better
1: boy that's that's pretty alarmist do you think too alarmist luke that this company could hit the wall
0: um depends on your definition of hit the wall uh, i'd say sell as well look I, I agree with rob i agree with everything you just said um definitely don't buy something on a takeover target that's that's rule number one um fy 21 was horrendous and i guess your investment thesis depends on whether you think that's entirely COVID impacts or is there something more more structurally wrong with this business and i actually suspect it's the latter and, and the main reason why is you know obviously that daigoo channel's been disrupted people taking tins off the shelves in australia and, and sending it to China. International travel shutdown. I get that, but you haven't even you haven't seen the shift in their direct China channel to, to sort of make up for that, which you would expect to see some sort of okay. If we can't get uh, the the Daigu channels coming from international, then you should see some domestic shift. That hasn't happened, as Rob pointed out. Their market share was essentially flat on last year at about two point something percent. Um, and I think Rob's right. I mean, when we think of China regulations, we think of these big heavy handed regulations, right? Like, you know, they're they're um, shutting things down or, or putting limits in place. They can actually be much more soft. And, and, and one of the ways they do that is they use their state media to control people's perceptions and, and, and consumer preferences and things like that. And this was actually flagged a few years ago that the China Chinese state wanted um, people to move back towards their um, domestic products and, and move away from international brands. And I think back then the market sort of shrugged that off and said A2 Milk and, and the rest are such." strong brands and um, mm-hmm. you know Chinese people uh, love them they love that clean green Australia it's proven maybe to be completely false and they have shifted back to the Chinese domestic play so I think Rob's right I think it's a sell it can definitely go a lot lower you're still paying four billion dollars for this business and it, and it did sort of 80 mil uh, NPAT obviously a weak year but you know where that NPAT normalized to I don't think it gets anywhere near that sort of FY sort of 18 FY19 high um, you know so I would, I would say it's a sell as well
1: got it and that's despite some pretty pretty overt product placement in the block the other night i did note okay guys that was fun and you had gave so much really valuable information there i i really enjoyed it wish we had more time but uh thank you for today robert Cortlett from macro and luke winchester from meriwether capital appreciate it thanks thank Well, let me just quickly sum it up. I feel like I don't need to. There was so much in it. But if we go back to number six, which was Right Crowd, it is a buy for Luke. It's an avoid for Robert. Now go to the next company on the list, which was uh, Wise. Well, hang on a second. Where am I? Uh, Atomos. Atomos. It is a buy. It is a going back in the Ausbiz portfolio the the praise was high i'm sure you noted seven west media it's a lighten for the guys at macro merriweather it's a hold sunrise energy metals where are those billions going to come from to get this project off the ground it's an avoid it's a sell a2 milk it's a sell from both of those guys and i will say we've got two bonus buys in there O Media and pan asia metals just for those of you who get a bit cranky when we don't have enough buys in the program again do your own research it's been wonderful to have you along for the ride, if you'd like us to cover a company, email us at thecall at osbiz.com.au. <music>